What's up, Fresh Life? Darius Daniels here. I'm super excited to have the opportunity to worship with you today contrib and contribute to this incredible spiritual family, this world-changing body of believers. Uh, I've got just super, just high respect and admiration for your incredible leaders. You got a dynamic duo in the Luscos. I had the privilege of meeting them several years ago and have just been blessed by their life, their ministry, their leadership, their incredible natural family. And now I get the chance to hang out with the spiritual family. And um, I'm really looking forward to our time together today. I'm gonna share with you today some content from my book, Relational Intelligence, or concepts from that book, Relational Intelligence. I, I, I don't believe we can underestimate the impact of relationships. And here it is, family. You cannot get Christianity right and get relationships wrong. It's, it's that simple. You cannot get Christianity right and get relationships wrong. Love of God should translate into love of neighbor. Love of God should translate into love of neighbor. Uh, the Great Commission is important, but so is the Great Commandment, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I, I want to call your attention to a scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter number 26. I'm going to read a few verses beginning at verse number 20. Uh, from the New International Version, and this is what it says. It says, when evening came, Jesus was at the table with the twelve. And while they were there eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go out just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It will be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus said, You said so. In other words, it's like Jesus is saying, You said it, I didn't. So I want to tag a title to this text. I want to pause for the cause, and I want to talk from this subject, Fresh Life, and our time together today. Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? Family, I'd like to begin this introduction with an axiom that I think is essential for us understanding the content that God wants to communicate to us through this message. The axiom is this, my welfare and my well-being is not just determined by who I am. It is equally impacted by who I'm with. I'm going to say that one more time for my note takers. My welfare and my well-being is not just determined by who I am. It is equally impacted by who I'm with. The scriptures corroborate this claim in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. I want you to listen to what this sage named Solomon has to say about this. Solomon says in Proverbs 13, chapter number 20, verse 20, he says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. I, I want you to look at what Solomon says, but I also want, also want you to look at what Solomon did not say. He did not say a fool suffers harm. That's not what he says. He says a companion of fools suffers harm. What does that mean, Pastor Darius? It simply suggests that I don't have to be a fool to suffer harm. I just have to have fools as my companions. 
Now, in, in Scripture, the word fool is not meant to be an insult. It's not an insult in Scripture. It's an adjective. It's a word used to describe people that intentionally and obstinately reject wisdom who don't want to hear wiser ways to live, who refuse to hear wiser ways to live, who reject spiritual and natural wisdom. And the scripture here seems to suggest that I will become like who I'm walking with. Walk with the wise and become wise. In other words, I will evolve into who I'm around. Oh, all throughout scripture, we see evidence uh, of this truth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 33, he says, don't be deceived now. Don't be fooled, fam. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, why would Paul say don't be deceived? Why would he say don't be fooled? He would say that because it's possible to be unaware of the impact that relationships are having on us because family I just need to pause for the cause and remind you there are no neutral relationships there's no such thing as a neutral relationship they're either moving us forward or they're moving us backwards they may not be moving us forward overtly maybe they're moving us forward incrementally they may not be moving us backwards overtly maybe they're moving us backwards incrementally but Paul is clear here don't be deceived you will evolve into who you are around. Our relationships are a mirror. They are a prophetic forecast that details to us where we're going. Relationships, family, matter. And God, 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 our creator and designer, created us to be relational. We see this in the creation narrative, family. When God creates the human species, he creates Adam, he steps back and he evaluates what he creates, and he says, oh, it's not good for him to be alone. I need to make a helper suitable for him. He's got me. Adam has me. But he needs somebody that looks like him to relate to. He needs somebody that I can love him through, that he can see, that he can touch, that he can do life with. The human species was made to be relational. Our God is a relational God. And when God creates Eve for Adam, it is sh showing us something, not just about marriage. It's showing us something about humanity. It is showing us that humanity cannot accomplish what God intended for humanity to accomplish independent of relationships. So Eve wasn't created just to give Adam company. Eve was created. I'm sorry. I get excited. Yeah, the way some people feel about college football games and NBA basketball games, that's the way I feel about Jesus. The way some people high-five each other and hug strangers in stadiums uh, is the way I feel about Jesus. I'm sorry. I, I just allow the totality of my human personality to be involved and engaged in the proclamation of the gospel. So here it is, family. Don't miss this. It's not just about Adam having company. It was about Adam carrying out his calling. Mm. And I want you to catch this family because when something is so consequential to your destiny, you cannot be afford to be elementary in your understanding of it.
If relationships are this important, and they are, there's no area of your life that's not impacted by your relationships. Your financial well-being, your mental well-being, your spiritual well-being, your vocational or um, uh, career well-being, professional well-being, it's all directly or directly impacted by your relationships with other people. When something is this consequential to our destiny, we cannot afford to be elementary in our understanding of it. So we must, ladies and gentlemen, we must, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, manage our relationships with intelligence. Think about this. When something is this consequential, we got to be intentional. And I'm afraid that when it comes to relationship management, there is a lack of intentionality for many believers. And this is dangerous, family. It's dangerous because when there's a lack of intentionality, that means people end up just in relationships to avoid crisis and not in relationships to carry out their calling. It means that they settle for a relational quality of life that is less than God's best. It means that as long as the relationship isn't toxic, they classify it as good. That's a low bar. That's a low standard. You think that's all God has for you? Just good? Did you read what I read? In in Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 20 that our God I'm getting excited again is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask think or imagine come on family we shouldn't just settle for relationships that don't cause us pain we should be pursuing relationships that help us carry out our purpose and that means not only listen to me do we need the right people in our life? Here we go. It also means we need the right people in the right place. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Not only do we need the right people in our life, we also need the right people in the right place. As Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great, he makes this statement um, referring to business leadership, but I think the principle applies to life, and that is we need the right people on the bus and we need the right people in the right seats. And it is our responsibility to steward our relational life well enough so that people are sitting where they're supposed to sit, not just where they want to sit. I'm going to say that one more time. We've got to steward our relational life well so that people are sitting where they're supposed to sit, not just where they want to sit. Our relationships need to be defined and aligned. And that my family is relational intelligence. It is, here it is, the ability to define and align our relationships. Relational intelligence. It is the ability to define and align our relationships. It rests on this revelation that everyone should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. Did he just say that? Yes, I did. That everyone should be loved biblically. That means to love without conditions. Valued equally, seeing everybody as an image bearer in the eyes of God. This is why issues like racism are so antithetical to the gospel. 
gospel. It's just anti-Christian. It's not simply a bad thing. It undermines the underpinning of the gospel. It's not just, it's not just a, a something to avoid. It is something that is the opposite and the antithesis of the gospel. Come on. So everyone should be loved biblically without conditions, valued equally. Everyone is equally valuable as an image bearer of God, but treated differently. Here it is, because just because everyone is equally valuable does not mean everyone adds equal value to you. Somebody put preach in the chat. Just put, just put preach in the chat. Just because, <laughs> just because everyone is equally valuable does not mean everyone adds equal value to you. And this is not about being transactional in relationships. This is not about being selfish. Relational intelligence is not selfishness, it's stewardship that I have a responsibility to steward my life and to steward who gets access to it and to steward where I make investments and where I have expectations. See, defining and aligning your relationships isn't really about putting people in a place. I use that simply as a way to describe this idea of aligning your expectations, really aligning people. You're aligning your expectations and you're aligning your investments. Because without this, without this type of intentionality, here it is, you will wake up one day and realize that the people that mean the most to you are the people who've gotten the least from you. Without this kind of intentionality, we will wake up one day and see that the people who mean the most to you have been the people that have gotten the least from you. Oh, and there's an example of this in Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter number 19. We see it with David. Verse 5 says, And Joab went into the house of the king and said, Today you've humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. Watch this. You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. This is what Joab is telling King David, the David who defeated Goliath, who was so jaded and hurt because he had unrealistic expectations from his son Absalom. Even though he had his last name, he was not healthy. Mm -hmm. Absalom was his son. It was his blood, but he wasn't healthy. So David was loving him in a way that Absalom could not love him back. And even though Absalom was his son, he was not emotionally safe. Wow. He was trying, David was trying to save his life. Absalom was trying to take David's life. And Joab says, listen, David, you got people that are willing to die for you, leaving their families for you. But the people that should mean the most to you are getting the least from you. See, David was making emotional investments in the wrong places. And at some point when we do that, we're going to bankrupt the relationship. We got to live with relational intelligence. And obviously, the ultimate example of doing this is Jesus. He is the ultimate expression and example of how life is supposed to be lived. And in this text here in Matthew, I think Jesus offers some incredible insight on how to live with relational intelligence. The answer is right here at our text. 
Jesus teaches us something that I think all of us need to wrap our head around. And that is, you need to know who's coming to dinner. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that when you examine the text, you'll see Jesus is sitting with his disciples for the Last Supper. And out of the blue, he makes this startling statement. He says, one of you will betray me. It's interesting. The statement's profound because it reveals that Jesus operated with a powerful prerequisite for relational intelligence. He had awareness. He had awareness. He was not unaware of who was coming to dinner. He was not unaware of who was at his table. He was not unaware of the people that were in close proximity to him. Here's a question, and I'm not advocating paranoia or cynicism. I'm not saying that we got to be perfect and make perfect relational picks. I'm not saying that the people in our life have to be perfect. But here's just a question, just a question for you to reflect on. Do Jesus knew who was at his table? Do we know who's at ours? I'm not saying that we slide into judgment. Oh, of course not. That, that's not. That's not what I'm saying. But I am advocating that we do what Jesus did and do what Jesus said. And what's that, Pastor Darius? That's engaging fruit inspection. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Fruit inspection. Not to say this is a good tree, bad tree, but to say this is an apple tree, orange tree. Let's say if you're allergic to apples or you're allergic to oranges. Here's my question. Shouldn't you know the difference between apples and oranges? If you're allergic to one and not to the other, are you judging the other? We aren't judging the other. I don't need to know if it's an apple tree or orange tree to say one's good and one's bad. But if I'm allergic to one and one has the potential to make me sick, I need to know which one can make me sick. And as it is with trees, so it can be with life. Fruit inspection allows us to see some imperfections that will assassinate our assignment and what assets, on the other hand, will help you carry it out. And family, Jesus knew who was at his table. When we think of the disciples, I'm, I'm sure we think people who were amazingly supportive, had loyalty with no limits, people who were consistently consistent. And these disciples were great men. They just weren't perfect men. They were men who were made out of the same things that you and I are made out of. And Jesus had to manage them just like we had to manage our relationships. I mean, when you look at some of the personalities around that table, Thomas was at that table. You know who Thomas represents? The supportive skeptic. It's doubting Thomas. It's the one who says, uh, I believe you can do it, but be careful. The one who only expresses doubt in your absence. Jesus knew that was at his table. James and John, they were competitors. And they were competing with each other to be closest to Jesus. And sometimes we got people in our life who are competing, competing with each other to be close with us. It doesn't mean they're evil, just got to know. That's what's at my table. Nathaniel, the blunt buddy. Now, when I say blunt, I don't mean blunt, blunt. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean blunt in terms of forthright and candid. Uh, Jesus saw Nathaniel said, behold, in whom there is one with no guile. This is the person that's just super honest. They don't know what truth not to tell. 
They're the ones you have to say, listen, don't say everything. That was at his table. Peter was at his table. This is the temperamental team member. This is the one that's hard to live with and hard to live without. He rides for you. He supports you, but he makes you nervous in certain rooms, right? Peter's the person, when you're going into certain spaces, you pull up in the car. You guys are in the car together. You put the car in park, and you tell, before you open the door, you lean over to Peter. You say, now listen, let's don't, don't go in here and turn up, Peter. And then Judas, this was the blind betrayer. This is the person that doesn't even see the selfishness that they're operating out of. Judas was a betrayer, but he was, he was blind. He couldn't see how self-destructive his activity was. Family, we can't miss this. This is, this is so important. Jesus knew who was at his table, and he didn't leave these men. He didn't abandon these men. Judas abandoned him. He didn't leave them, but he knew how to manage these relationships because he knew who was at his table. He not only had self-awareness, he had relational awareness. And I believe as it was for Jesus, it must be for us. And I believe many of us want to manage our table the way Jesus managed his. And it begins with Jesus helping us. He needs to heal our blindness. And so here are three keys, I think, that I see Jesus had that maybe you and I can adopt in our own life that will help us increase our awareness. Here it is, point number one, open your eyes. Open your eyes. You see, you see fruit with natural eyes, not just spiritual eyes. And there are times when we're looking for God to give an answer, and he is answering through our experience. Don't ignore what you see. It doesn't mean you judge them, but in the words of Maya Angelou, when someone shows you themselves, believe them. Open your eyes. How many times have people been emotionally injured? How many times have organizations been wrecked and damaged because persons ignored signs? I, I'm not saying be paranoid. I'm not saying be, be cynical. But I am saying it's important to open our eyes. Number two, open your heart. That means pay attention to what we feel. Now, Lisa Turkhurst says this, our feelings should be um, indicators, not dictators, but our inner witness, our intuition is one of the ways that God speaks to us and guides us and leads us. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't say that. Mm -mm. Don't hire them. Mm -mm. Don't do that. And there are times where we ignore that sixth sense and we miss out on opportunities to experience God's best. And last but not least, number three, open your ears. This means pay attention to what you hear. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. At some point, the mouth tells off on the heart. And family, I believe for the sake of our own peace, for the sake of our own productivity, and for the sake of fulfilling our purpose, we've got to get this part right. You see, it seems to me that God's love for me and God's love for you is based on his knowledge. I think sometimes our love for people 
is based on our ignorance. What does that mean? I mean, God knows absolutely everything about you and me, and he still loves us. I think sometimes as people, we stop loving <laughs> depending on the more we learn about a person. But I promise you, if we can get this part right, it not only transforms our own life, it transforms our witness, and it transforms our ministry. Because your relationships are too consequential to be unintentional in the way that you manage them. You got to know who's coming to dinner. Let me pray for you. I want to pray that God would open our eyes. Father, you're the God who opens our eyes, enables us to see what we could not see on our own. And I pray right now for everyone that is receiving this word, that our eyes will be open. One, to see the importance of managing our relationships with intentionality and with intelligence, to stewarding that area of our life well. And then two, without cynicism, to see who's at our table so that we can manage our expectations and our investments accordingly. And I pray as a result of us improving this area of our life that we would enter into the most peace-filled and productive season we've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Fresh life, I love you. See you next time.